International. crazy some you don't know what you're gonna get that's what you get here at the listening room um this is a lovely episode full of great talented performers we have kai krebs who's a talented improviser comedian here in town runs spitballing down at the new movement theater we have tanya hollywood who's also a comedian here in austin runs the most awkward show on earth also at the new movement theater we also have taylor dowdy great comedian here in austin runs a fun show called ground floor at hotel vegas and we have wyatt tall who teaches improv down at the institution theater and was uh, the lead actor in david howe's short film the woo um david howe has a episode here out soon uh, make sure to check for that Great, great stories full about bad days, crazy people you meet, and just some... <laughs> Taylor shares a story of some some overall, some gross happenings, some gross happenings, and I share a tale of somehow feeling like I'm trapped in a David Lynch movie. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to these episodes. I hope you enjoy them, and I'll see you all in the future. Peace, y'all. good some claps great awesome 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 welcome welcome to the listening room storytelling show full of uh true human experiences get that out of there no feedback cool uh, my name is joey zimmerman uh, i host this shindig i'm a stand-up comedian here in austin and i started this show because i noticed i had some stories and long things i wanted to talk about that didn't normally fit in with my normal comedy routine so i started this nice little storytelling show um, by uh, applause or noises. Has anyone uh, been here before or seen? Yeah. Hell yeah, cool. Some, some regulars. So a lot of fresh new faces. Awesome. I'm going to let you know what you're in store for. Um, I don't know, actually. It's uh, going to be a variety. A lot of storytelling shows have like a theme of the night. Mine has no theme. So I'm hoping to grasp a wide variety of stories. So that way, maybe if you didn't like one story, the next one you have at least something to relate with and something to take back with you. Has anyone here been to like any storytelling events or stand-up shows or anything like this before? Yeah. A couple people? Hell yeah. Yeah. So with that, um, don't heckle any of my friends that I bring up here. <laughs> um, most of them actually are stand-up comedians or improvisers. So if you say something foolish, uh, they'll probably come right back at you with something that'll make you sound like quite the asshole. And this is also a recorded podcast. You can find it on iTunes and Stitcher uh, at The Listening Room, produced by The Body Tape International. And so if you do make an ass of yourself, that will then be broadcasted online for everybody to hear till the end of time or until computers stop you know, taking over and making everything happen. So that's how long you'll sound like an asshole. So, and with that, with all the storytellers I have tonight, a lot of them are very, very talented people who uh, actually have... Uh, three, three or two other shows they have to get on with with the night. Usually I kick off the evening with the first story. But our lineup today is jam-packed with so many very talented people, and they got other awesome places to be. Um, so with that, I'm going to bring up uh, your first act of the evening. A uh, very talented comedian. He moved here from Louisiana. Uh, the fourth Friday of every uh, month, you can see him host Spitballin'. An improvised stand-up comedy show down at the New Movement, and he's also the co-host of another awesome podcast that I was on an episode of. If you want to check it out, it's called Extra Salty, where he interviews comedians about things that they're salty about in their past or life or what have you. Uh, very talented dude. Love to have him on. Everybody, please give a warm welcome to Kai Krebs. <laughs> 
Hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, it is so very easy to judge people for making bad decisions, isn't it? Like, we all have, like, that friend that, like, everything that they do in their life, we're just like, why are you like this? I like you so much, but I, I do want you to be better. And I, uh, in high school, I was that friend. Uh, I was the one that everyone was like, oh, please be better. And I was just like, nah, I'm gonna ride this out. I'm gonna ride this out. I, uh, I remember uh, one of the, the best examples of just, like, shitty decision-making that I ever made uh, was while I was in high school, because, you know, that's the prime of bad decision-making, right? Like, that's when you're really honing in on how to be just a cretin. And... <laughs> Like, one of the things that I used to do in high school is I had a couple of friends who I, I spent all of my time with. It was me and two other lesbians, so we were just, like, this chill little gay clique in this, whole, this town in Louisiana that was just not chill with anything except for, you know, church and TV. <laughs> so we, uh, I remember, like, one of the things that we used to like to do is we used to like to smoke pot, uh, you know. <laughs> it's Austin, so I'm sure all of you are just, like, tight. <laughs> But uh, we, uh, in my hometown, it was like one of those towns where since everything was kind of in shambles because it was a small town and nothing ever really happened, like there was never really like a good opportunity or person or like reliable connection to get things from. So like you only had pretty much whoever you would meet to try to figure out where you were going to get your little tiny bag of weed that somebody grew in their closet, usually behind the police station, you know. So uh, we, we were having a night where we were having fun and we were drinking a little bit and we were like, we want to smoke a little bit of weed, but we don't know anyone that we can talk to. But we had heard this rumor that if you go to this one gas station on the north side of town and you ask the guy behind the counter, a specific guy that was working there, uh, for a brown bag special, he would give you uh, like a little eighth of weed. He would give you something to smoke it with, like and it was just like all the accoutrement that you need to like smoke weed and have some. And like we we never really believed that because I'm like a brown bag special sounds like all the things that you would need to do heroin. So maybe we don't. But this was like a particularly dry time, so we were like, you know what? We're not far from it, so we'll go and we'll check it out and we'll see. We'll see if everything is on the up and up. Now, we weren't sure who, like, that specific person was, so we just, we got to the gas station, and then we uh, played a quick game of rock, paper, scissors in the car for who was going to have that uncomfortable moment of asking a stranger for a brown bag special. And uh, my friend, like, my friend lost, so she had to be the one to go in there, and she walks inside, and we were waiting outside of the gas station. So, like, she goes in, and she was like, I'm going to go about this a little bit differently. So what she did, she bought, like, a couple of cigarillos. And he was like, oh, is there anything else that you need? And she goes, not unless you've got something to fill it with. <laughs> Smooth, right? I was like, you know, that's probably better than calling it a brown bag special. So, sure, why not? And the guy looks at her and immediately goes, uh, get out of my store. <laughs> Deeply uncomfortable. And she was like, you got it. I will see you later. Thank you so much for your time. I am so sorry that this happened. And, like, hurries out, very embarrassed. <laughs> And she comes outside and she tells us the story and we're like, oh, okay, we should leave. That's embarrassing and that sounds like something that you would call someone after. Like, hey, there are kids doing weird things at my store. Can you come by, you know? So we start to go and get in the car and then this guy that was in line behind my friend comes outside behind us and he goes, hey, 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 before you guys get out of here, hold on, hold on, hold on. And we're like, what's up? <laughs> this is weird what you're doing. And he goes, I heard that, I, I heard what you were asking the guy at the gas station, and uh, are you kids looking for something? And we were like, what do you got? You know, you don't, you don't want to be like too specific when someone's asking you a question like that and you don't know them. So like, we're like, what do you got? And he goes, oh, well, I can hook you up with some weed and I got some other stuff too. We just have to go back to my place. It's, uh, it's one thing to do like something like that like in a public location where it's like you can all kind of part ways amicably, but like having to travel to someone's house that you also don't know is such like a weird thing that I know now. Like I said, I was that person in high school where I was just a complete cretin, so I was the one that was just like, yeah, let's go to this guy's house. And my friends were like, we shouldn't 
we shouldn't do that. And I was like, no, let's go to this guy's house. It's fine. He's walking around trying to sell people drugs at gas stations. He's chill. <laughs> so, like, we, we have a back and forth about it for a minute, and then we decide, you know what? We're ready for an adventure tonight. We'll follow this guy back to his house. And he goes, okay, you see that car right there? We're going to follow that car back to my place, and I'll hook you up. And we're like, tight. That's great. You know, we can talk about it a little bit more in the car, decide if this is the journey that we want to take for the evening. So then we go and we get in our car, and he hops in the car with us. <laughs> he doesn't get back in the car that he came with. He hops into the back seat with us without asking or letting us know that that's what the plan is going to be. And so then once he climbs in behind us, we're like, oh, okay, we're in this now. Like, there's no other option at this point, because he is with us, and the other car has already pulled out, unless we just, like, physically push him out of the car and change our minds. Like, that's, we're, we're, on a, we're already on our journey now. So we're driving behind the car, because we've got this guy in the car, we don't know him. We assume that things can get really weird whenever somebody hops into your car, like, that's normal. So we follow along, and we get to the guy's house, and he hops out, and he goes, All right, give me two minutes before y'all come inside. Why? What do you need to do in those two minutes? <laughs> so we give him his two minutes, and then he comes back outside, and he like kind of grabs all of us and like pulls us into the house and like hustles us in. And like we walk inside, and this house is just in shambles. So I don't know if that two minutes was to clean up, which meant that it was worse before, or if he needed to. I don't know what it was, but so we're in this house, and then he goes, okay give me two more minutes and then he goes upstairs and disappears again and we're just on the first floor of this guy's house looking around like it's leaking everything is waterlogged like there's just like a mess in the living room in the kitchen and that was like the first moment that it was like oh there is a chance that we could die tonight this could not this might not be good and then his wife comes around from the kitchen and she's got like droopy eyes clearly just clearly drunk as a skunk and she goes mm, hello <laughs> just unfazed by the fact that there are three strangers in her house at 11.30pm on a Wednesday and we're like okay uh, hi it's nice to meet you and she goes you can call me Mama Betty okay sure sure and so like Mama Betty's talking to us and she goes my husband his name is Ken Folk He's upstairs. He's collecting everything. You just give him a minute. Also, here you go. Hold on. And then she, like, starts to give us, like, a pieces of paper that she wrote her phone number on. And she's like, in case you guys need anything else, after this, you call that phone number. And you let it ring twice. And then you hang up. And then you call back. And that's how we'll know what you're calling for. And I was like, oh, that is so weird. <laughs> that is so, so deeply weird. But again, at that time, I was just like, tight, cool. And I'm like pocketing the number. And my friends are just like, why are you doing this? Why are we here? Why is all of this happening? And then she goes, hold on. Ken Folk doesn't like to do everything in the living room. So let's go down here. And she takes us to this door that's at the back of the house. And we're thinking that it's going to go into a backyard. It does not. It opens up and it leads to like this half stairwell that goes downstairs underneath this house. I don't know if you guys know anything about Louisiana, but we're very, very close to sea level. The water table is very high. Nobody has basements because if you dig into it, you're just going to find water. So this guy had like a mini basement that we can only presume maybe he dug himself, which is creepy and strange. And like in it is just like this like lawn furniture with like these plastic chairs and there are no windows and she goes okay he's gonna meet y'all down here and she leaves us in this sub room and I was like that's like when like, like when my brain finally started thinking okay this might be bad and my friends were just like we are going to die in this creepy hand dug basement you have done this to us and we are so mad at you and so, like, we're arguing in this room, and then we hear the door open, and Ken Falk comes down, and he's got this, like, bag that he's carrying over his shoulder, like, some sort of, like, drug Santa Claus. <laughs> and he plops it down on the table and opens it up, and we're like, there's gonna be a gun in this bag. <laughs> there wasn't, though. I was right. He was chill. 
he just started pulling all of this stuff out of the bag. All we did was pay for weed, but then, like, he tried... I, I don't know if he was, like, trying to do, like, that dealer thing of, like, the first taste is free, but so then, like, he pulls out a brick of hash, and, like, he pulls out a knife, and we're like, oh, no, he's gonna stab us, but then he just cuts off a part of this brick of hash, and he's like, this is for you on me, and then he pulls out, like, these prescription pill bottles and starts to dump prescription pills in his hand and hands all these pills to us, and he's like, y'all can try this. You can let me know if you like it. I've got plenty of it. And we're like, cool, we probably won't, but that's fine. And it ended up being like this weird thing where like we, we accomplished the goal that we had had for the evening, but then we had all of this like extra stuff too. And at this point, I was feeling like confident again because I was like, see the guy selling us drugs that he came at the gas station. He's fine. He's a good guy. Him and Mama Betty, she was saying she would cook for us the next time we came over. This is a good situation we found. And my friends are like, no, no. Why are you like this? No. <laughs> and so then we, we, we get out of the house and we have just like our new little treasure trove of fucked upness. And we, we get back to my friend's house and both of them are just like still in that moment where they're like kind of like taking deep breaths because they were like, this evening was stressful. We did accomplish our goal, but I don't know if it was worth everything that we have done. <laughs> and while I'm in the backseat of the car, you know, the first thing I do take one of those pills, throw it in my mouth immediately, and swallow it. I, yeah, I just took unmarked medication that somebody gave me in what was probably a hand-dug basement, like it was fine. And, like, there wasn't any, like, moment where, like, I had, like, any sort of, like, bad reaction to anything, and we spent the rest of the night, like, real chill and real fucked up, but it was just, like, one of those moments where, like, it was kind of, like, the first thing where then, like, afterwards my friends were, like, you get how bad this was, right? And even though, like, I had that moment where I was just like, no, it's chill, it's fine, like, I realized that that was something that I was just trying to tell myself after the fact because of all of the weirdness of what this situation was. And, you know, so, you know, sometimes it doesn't even take, like, a hugely bad thing to happen for you to, like, have that moment. And then uh, we never called Ken Folk and Mama Betty ever again. <laughs> Uh, we never let it ring twice and then hang up and call right back per their code. But uh, it was kind of one of those things where it was like we uh, we were we we weren't immediately at risk of dying, but we were at risk of dying adjacent. And sometimes all it need all you I think you need is a little bit of adjacency to have like kind of a wake up call. So thanks. <laughs> Hi, right, Cribs, let him hear it one more time, everybody! Hell yeah, check out one of his shows. Come on up, hell yeah, everyone, get all comfy. Um, our next performer uh, also has a very fun show to get down to. She's going to be a guest judge uh, down at the Mohawk, the music venue downtown, for Air Sex, the championship, where people... It's exactly what it sounds like. It's who does the best Air Sex movie, so that's... So she's... She's awesome, and because of that, she's a really awesome comedian here, uh, here in town. She hosts uh, the Coven Open Mic down at the New Movement, which is an all-female open mic comedy. So if you, for the women in the audience, if you ever thought comedy, you want to give that a shot, and want to feel in more comfortable space, check out the New Movement, and that's, I'm sorry, Tuesday? First Thursday, and she also hosts the most awkward show on earth down there at the New Movement. Please check out her show. She's awesome. Everyone give it up for Tanya Hollywood. What? Oh, all right. He's going to turn it up a little bit. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Um, so normally I do comedy, but tonight I'm going to tell you guys this story. My parents are from South America. And I'm going to tell you all the story of how they came to uh, live in America and have me, um, the wonderful baby that they made. So my mom is from Peru, um, and her story is when she was 26, she got left at the altar by this guy named Paco. Uh, she was so excited. She had her life, like, planned. She was like, I'm going to marry this guy. I've got a job. I'm good to go. I've got a degree. We're doing this. And he left her at the altar. So she was kind of just like, fuck everything. I'm going to travel, which I think is like way cooler than just like getting your bangs cut. You know, if you're going to get dumped, that's a way better way to go about it. Um, so she takes off and she starts hitchhiking to Columbia. And then my dad had like, uh, he had just finished college and he was at the ripe age of 23. 
and his mom was super religious. She was like a Seventh-day Adventist. And he's like, fuck this shit. I'm tired of living under these rules, which I totally get. So he was like, I'm just going to travel too. Uh, but he wanted to go to America. That was like his plan the whole time. My mom was just kind of like, fuck it. Um, so they travel for a minute. Uh, they both end up in Costa Rica. Um, and they meet when they're in line waiting to get their visa to go to Nicaragua. And my dad hits on my mom. And a British guy hits on my mom. And, like, from what I understand, uh, the British guy hits on my mom first, and then my dad just makes fun of the British guy for hitting on my mom. And then my mom picks him because she could understand him, like, a little bit better. (laughs) So, uh, whenever they get done, like, trying to get their visas, my dad gets his visa, but my mom is denied because every country is racist in South America, and my mom is very dark uh, and from Peru, and they were like, no, you can't get a visa, sorry. Um, but she tells my dad this, and my dad's like, don't worry, I studied geography. We're going to go behind the curtain, which now I know is code for we're going to sneak into this country so I can bang your mom. <laughs> but uh, he says we're going to go behind the curtain. So they sneak into Nicaragua, and then immediately, at the time, this is like 1989, Nicaragua is in a civil war. Uh fighting for Nicaraguan revolution, as they do. Um, So they're in a civil war, and immediately they get kidnapped by the Contras. Yeah. And they've been kidnapped, and it's, it's, from what I hear, it's pretty shitty. Um, But what my mom said, though, uh, about this situation was that your dad liked to joke around with the people who had kidnapped us, which explains a lot about you. Um, and then, like, the guards were not having my dad's jokes. And uh, their assumption was that my parents were American journalists trying to sneak into the country to take pictures of what was going on there. Um, and then eventually, though, they realized that my parents are not American journalists. Uh, so they were like, okay, go back to Costa Rica. We're going to drop you off there. Uh, so they're back in Costa Rica. And then they're like, okay, we got to figure out a way to get through Nicaragua without actually stopping. So they find, like, a trucker that's going through there, and they, like, hide in his, like, trucker bed, and they ride through Nicaragua, and everything is all good, and then they get to Guatemala. And in Guatemala, they're, like, out of money, so like, oh, shit, okay, we got to do some work to get to, like, Mexico. Uh, And my dad has, at this point, convinced my mom that they're going to go to America because American movies are amazing, and my mom's, like, totally on board. And so... They're in Guatemala, and they meet this family, and the family's super nice, and they're like, okay, we'll do work for y'all, and we'll, we'll keep that money, and we'll save the money, and my dad goes fishing with, like, the husband of the family, and then my mom just stays with the lady to do housework, and at some point, like, they're there for, like, a couple months, but at some point, like, the mood in the house changes to where, like, my dad is definitely flirting with the lady of the house. And my mom is flirting with the dude of the house, and they're both very jealous. And so they're trying to figure out, like, how to kick them out, but they just can't. Uh, And at one point, there's, like, a bunch of rain, and uh, the way that they get to, like, the market to sell their stuff, uh, there's, like, a flood, and this creek floods, and the family can't get this truck through, like, the flooded area. And so my dad's like, no, I got this. I'm going to drive this truck through this flooded area and so he guns this truck into this creek gets it stuck it's their only mode of transportation ruins the truck and then just like oh sorry and they like book it they're just like fuck this shit I'm out and they book it out of there um and they've they've only got like a couple hundred dollars saved up but they like book it out of there and they make it all the way to Mexico and then they're traveling through Mexico and they meet this family of, like, natives. And they're, like, asking the natives for advice. And so the natives are like, okay, you're going to go this way. And they give them, like, a detailed description of where to go. And so my parents follow it, and it leads nowhere. It leads to, like, this pond. And there's a bunch of orange trees. And then my dad eats some of the oranges. And he gets really sick. And my mom makes fun of him. And they end up, like, walking to a cliff. And they're like, oh shit, we're at this cliff, there's nowhere to go. And they sleep, like, on a tree hanging off of the cliff, just, like, hugging the tree. 
like hold on to dear God they don't fall and they can't sleep and they're like okay well this is clearly not the way to go we gotta turn around uh, and they can't sleep so they get off the tree and they go back to the pond and they're just like hanging out of the pond and they assume that they're gonna die there and then one of the natives comes looking for them and he's just like haha I was messing with you guys <laughs> we gave you the wrong way to go our bad we're gonna show you how to go now and so my parents follow the natives back and then they follow their directions and then they end up like hitchhiking their way through Mexico and everything's fine. The boring part of the story, blah, blah, blah. And they make it to the border. And at the border, uh, they like live in this camp. They have like camps on the border for people who want to cross. And they live in this camp for like a while. Um, and they're just kind of like learning like the ins and outs of crossing the border. Um, and then, so my dad's like, okay, I'm going to do this first. And when I make it across, I'll send money back for you to, to bring you with me. And my mom's like, okay. And so my dad leaves for like a couple months. And then eventually she like doesn't think she's going to hear from him ever again. She's like freaking out. But then he comes back and he's like, you know what? I couldn't, I couldn't do it without you. You got to come with me. We got to do this shit together. We're going to figure out a way. Um, so they're like start making the journey they have to like trek through a river together um and they weren't prepared for it so they get like seriously hurt and stuff uh at some point like a scorpion bites my dad and then his like leg blows up and it's like all this all this like pus and stuff and he's like freaking out and my mom's like he's such a baby like why couldn't he handle that and so uh she like takes care of him and he gets better and then eventually they get to the point where they can take a greyhound. And so they take a greyhound, and when they get to the first border crossing, um, a, a, a guard, or not a guard, but an ICE, ICE officer comes on to the bus, and he's, like, checking everyone. And they get to my parents, and my dad looks just like me, but, like, tall and, like, a dude. Um, so my dad is, like, fast asleep, and my mom just pretends to sleep on him. And their theory is that they let him pass just because, like, they thought my dad was an American. Um, but who knows, you know? Um, but they make it across the border, and they have to, like, pretty much be in the desert for a while, just walking around trying to figure out what to do. And they're almost, like, to the point of starvation, and they make it to a McDonald's. Um, and the McDonald's is, like, the first place where they meet someone who can speak Spanish. Uh, so they're asking this guy, like, hey, what do we do? We're here. We just got here. We don't know what to do. And the guy, like, just gives them free McDonald's. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're okay. Good luck. Um, and they keep walking again for a while, and they make it to, like, a gas station. And the gas station, they let my parents use the phone. So my mom calls back home, and she's like, I don't know what to do. We're in America. We have no idea what to do. And then my grandma's like, you have a cousin. Not a cousin. I was like, my aunt's husband, whatever that is. But he lives in Maryland, and it's her ex-husband. Uh, so get in touch with him. Maybe he'll help you out. We'll see. And so my mom calls, and she's like, yeah, we're here. And he's like, oh, okay. Uh, get your grandpa to give you money to take another bus up here. And so they have to walk super far. They're like in El Paso at this point, And they have to walk super far to get to like another city to take the Greyhound all the way there. But they make it there, and then they had sex, and they had me. And that's the story. Uh, and then my dad leaves my mom. So it's like, not a happy ending, but yeah. <laughs> but that's the story of my parents migrating to America. I feel like I did that really fast, but uh, let's get Joey back up here. <laughs> Tony Hollywood, everyone, keep it going for one time. Hell yeah, great story. How do we all get here? Who knows? That was one way to get here, I suppose. Um, everyone still doing good, huh? Yeah. Hell yeah, good, good. Uh, our next uh, storyteller, very talented dude. Um, he was uh, the, the main actor in David Howe's short film, The Woo, 
please check that out online. And he uh, has a show that happens if you don't come to this one, the second Saturday of every month. He has a show uh, called Highly Suggestible Improv down at the Institutional Theater uh, that happens the second Saturday of every month around the same time. So check that out. And also teaches improv at uh, the Institution Theater. So if you ever want to take some improv classes, take them from this man because I think he's awesome. Everyone, please give it up for Wyatt Tall. Hey, uh, so I kind of wanted to talk about this day that everything kind of went wrong. Uh, and it was, while it was happening, I was like painfully aware of how it, everything, everything seemed to, to go wrong in order. And it was becoming like really funny the whole time. So um, it was the day that, um, what's the Netflix show? Uh, Stranger Things came out. And my friend wanted to do a sleepover to watch all of them. And it was this whole Halloween thing, so she decorated her backyard uh, to, to look like the upside down. She like had like uh, spider webs and lit it with blue lights. It was really cool and spooky. And then she like decorated her whole house, and she had all these snacks. And then everybody brought like more food, like pork sliders and all this like great food. And there was probably like um, eight people there, and we were ready to like to go the whole night. Um, so we, we made it through like three quarters and then like 90% of the people that were there dropped out and they left and went home. So it's just like, it's like the two people who live there and me and then this guy, I guess she knows from Houston who was, uh, in like a, like scrubs. He's a nurse. And, uh, and it looked like a costume cause it was all Halloween themed and it just turned out he just came directly from the ER and showed up at her place at 6 PM to binge watch the entire season that was going to drop on Netflix. Um, so we watched the whole thing. It was fun. Uh, we sucked through it. Uh, there were a couple dogs that were hanging out with us. Uh, I'm not much of a dog person. Uh, but, uh, but so we, we finished that and then I, I went to go get in my car and go home, uh, because it was like maybe three in the morning or something like that. So I felt like, oh, I don't need to stay around. I'm, I have enough energy to like drive myself back, uh, like 30 minutes back to my house and my car wouldn't start. <laughs> So I, uh, I, I went back inside. I spent the night on the couch, kind of uncomfortable. I remember there was like a giant like bar in my back from sleeping on the couch, like it was just not made to be a bed. And uh, I woke up and uh, about seven in the morning, uh, I had a friend uh, or the guy from Houston tried to jump my car and it wouldn't take. So then he drove me really begrudgingly to the auto parts store to get a battery. Uh, so I dropped like a hundred bucks on that. And then we went back, and he was like, good luck, man. And then he takes off. Uh, so then I figured out, I'm, I'm not super mechanically inclined, but I figured out how to change my battery. And uh, still nothing. The, so it, it, it was probably like a starter issue. So then I call a tow truck. I have to go back into my friend's house and wait. Uh, it finally shows up, and I get it towed to uh, a mechanics that's, that's still open on a, this is like a Saturday morning. So it's still open. Uh, we get it checked in. Uh, they're like, yeah, it's probably going to be the starter issue, whatever. So I'm standing, I'm, I'm sitting in the lobby, and I, I try to get a, a vehicle to go back to my house. Like a, uh, so I, was, I don't have any apps like uh, Uber or um, Lyft or uh, Fasten. So I downloaded all three. <laughs> uh, I was just like, uh, I don't know, I'll just do it all. And it's over Wi-Fi, so I'm paying for like the data or whatever. And then. Uh, like the first one that I tried, I think was Fasten. Uh, it's like, oh, it's 15 bucks. And then for some reason it just blinks out. And when I load it back up, it's like, now it's 35 bucks. And I was like, what, why? <laughs> and there was no explanation. So then I close that app, I go to the second app. I think it's uh, uh, Uber. No, it's, it's Lyft at this point. Uh, and the same thing happens where it's like $15 and then some, the app crashes or it's like, your ride was canceled. And I go to do it again and it's like, now it's twice as expensive. I was like, what is going on? So I go to Uber, and I'm trying to get a ride back to my house. And uh, somebody says, like, oh, we'll take you the fare. It's like 18 bucks, great. Uh, and the car is eight minutes away. And it starts driving away from me. <laughs> it starts driving in the opposite direction. And I'm noticing, like, now it's 10 minutes away. Two minutes have passed. It's going in the opposite direction. Finally, I get a text from the driver. And they're like, oh, I'm having trouble with my GPS. And I'm like... Well, how's it going to be when you pick me up if your GPS is messed up? Like, 
it's, it's pretty easy. Like, I feel like there's one built into the app that can tell them how to get to the mechanics. And it keeps going. Now he's 15 minutes away. Now he's 20 minutes away. It look, now he's on the highway. He's on Mopac going north. Uh, and I'm in South Austin trying to go north. So he's going away from me now at super speed. <laughs> and all the time, I keep, so I tried calling him, and it, it's, uh, it's all in Spanish, and, uh, and, and, and there's, it like hangs up on me. I don't even get to like record a voicemail for what is going on. And I try to cancel it, because I need, I need a ride, and I was gonna, I'm just like, well, I'll just get somebody else to pick me up. And it says, if you want to cancel, you have to pay him five bucks or something for making the trip out to get you. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's the point. This is like not even a real car, it's like some hacker has infiltrated Uber and is now like, like tricking me into paying them $5 for a ride that was never going to happen. And that's the whole point that they're going in the opposite direction for me. And then I get really stubborn because that's kind of how I am. And so I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm not going to cancel this ride. They're going to have to cancel the ride. Even though it's already been like 20 minutes and I'm sitting in the, in the mechanics and I'm tired and I have like a sore back and I like... I, <laughs> So I, I tell the mechanics, like, give me a taxi. So I'm waiting on the taxi. And meanwhile, I'm, like, texting this guy, like, being real passive-aggressive, like, I don't even think you're real. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started I, just saying stuff like, I think this is a scam. I think you're playing me. And I, know, I know what your game is. Like, stuff like that. Uh, I probably have it in my phone. I could probably play it. Anyway, uh, so, th so that's all happening. And then... Um, Right before uh, the, the ride ends up canceling the fare and I win, which is fun, uh, but uh, it jumps from Austin to New Mexico, the car. And I'm like, yep, that was, that was not a real car, no, unless, like, you know, space travel exists or something. You know, like, teleportation does not exist, therefore, this is some kind of scam. So be on the lookout for that. Anyway, so then the taxi comes and I get in the taxi cab and I'm going home and I'm so thankful that I'm going home. I'm so tired. I haven't eaten breakfast. Uh, I think my friend Lex offered me something and I turned it down. I was like, no, I don't want to put you out. I totally should have eaten her breakfast at this point. It's like two hours later. And, uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm getting to that point that I'm like, uh, my low blood sugar, like shaking level hungry. And uh, I'm, all I'm thinking about is like, I can't wait to get home. And there's this cafe that's like right across the street from my house. It's pretty cool because it opened up directly across the street from my house. So now I go there like every morning. And I'm just like, I'm going to go instantly there. I'm going to load up on tacos. And um, shaking so bad. And the guy's watching uh, soccer on, uh, on, an, on an iPad that's posted up, like, at the top of his car. <laughs> so it's, like, above the windshield. And it's, like, it's, it's, a, it's a game in Spanish. And I, I try to make small talk. I'm like, oh, uh, who's playing or whatever. And, uh, he's, and whatever, whatever he says, like, doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what teams are, they are. They're not national. Uh, they're like local teams uh, from some country that I'm, I'm unaware of. And, uh, but he, he, ang he acts angry towards me. Like he's pissed. And it, it occurs to me like he's, he's going super fast and he's like, he's pissed. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, uh, I have, I'm late for something. And I didn't realize how far away your house was. So he's now pissed at me for the ride that I ordered. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> so... So that's all going on. And, and meanwhile, like, I'm getting really upset at the level of volume of the sports game. So I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, can you turn down the soccer game? And he gets pissed at me for that, too. And he just shuts it off. He's like, fine, I don't have to watch it. You know? Like, <laughs> he gets to, um, uh, he, we, we make it uh, north of, of uh, Lake Austin. And uh, he pulls up to a stoplight. And there's a taxi cab next to him. He rolls down the window. And he starts asking the taxi driver if they'll take me the rest of the way to my house. He's literally trying to pawn me off on another taxi cab. I've never seen that happen before. And like at this point, I'm like, what is going on with this day? So I finally get to the cafe. Guy's pissed. I pay him. He leaves in a huff. I'm going to the cafe. I'm trying to like t tell them like how bad my day is. And they're laughing. And, uh, and I realize I'm locked out of my house. I left my, my house keys with my car keys at the mechanic. <laughs> uh, and my roommate's not home. So uh, I have Find My Friends turned on for him, and so I know where he is at all times, and he doesn't really remember that we set this thing up, so I kind of sometimes can check in on where he is, if he's near the house or not. Uh, so I'm like, now I'm like going to like sleuth him out. Like I've texted him, and he's not responding about where he is. So I'm just going to go to where the Find My Friends is. Uh, so I get a car to go. Now I'm driving myself downtown. 
uh, I go to where he teaches improv and he usually performs and it's this theater and his blinker is on like right near it. And uh, so I go through this whole theater up and down two stories and he's not there. So I don't know what to do. So I go back to the cafe that's near my house and I call up a locksmith and he responds to the text. And he's like, what's going on? Uh, uh, he wants to leave me the key. He's at a hotel that was right next to the theater. He's performing in a, a space that's normally not a performance area. It's the Stephen F. Austin Hotel, which is right next to the Hideout Theater. And uh, he's doing a script reading. Uh, so I don't have him leave the key for me there because I'm like, I'm just, I already ordered a $5 or I think it was like a $15 locksmith thing online. They come out. Uh, and meanwhile, I'm joking at the cafe, like, what else can happen? This is insane. Uh, while the, the locksmith shows up, and he tells me it's $200 to get into my house. And then he's going to, like, he has to change my locks or something, something. And I'm like, it said $15 online. He was like, that's the service call for us to come out here. But the whole price is 200 bucks. So I'm like, now it makes more sense for me to go to where my roommate is and get the thing, but he hasn't left a key for me, and he's doing a script reading that I can't interrupt. So I go there anyway, thinking that I'm going to, oh, and it's this time that I get a phone call, and it's my dad. And I see my dad is calling, and I'm like, something, something, like I just had a terrible feeling, and I answered the phone, and this is while I'm get, hearing the information about the locksmith, that's 200 bucks, and it's my stepmom has had a stroke. And she's been in my life for 26 years. And um, uh, it's so crazy because up until that point, everything had seemed ridiculously annoying, you know, of like, I'm like so hungry and I'm, I'm like out of my house and I'm out of my control. Like I can't use my own car. Uh, all these things that I have to pay for that I, don't, I, I didn't expect. And I, I mean, <laughs> the taxi driver trying to pass me off on somebody else. Like so many things are out of my control. And then this thing happens and you're like, like a real thing, a real thing that's gonna um, last. And it's, uh, it puts a lot of other stuff in perspective. Um, uh, and, and it's, uh, you know, they're like, we don't know what's gonna happen. My dad is like, you know, the EMT just took her to the hospital. Uh, it, it seems like it could be life-threatening. And I'm still trying to get into my house. Uh, I think I forgot to say that I have a work event on a Saturday that I'm supposed to get to, and the whole thing is I'm trying to get in my house to change clothes so that I look presentable from not the stuff that I slept in to go do this work event. And so like, it's kind of critical for me to get in my house. So I go back to the, the hotel where he's doing the script reading, and I go into the script reading, and I'm like, kind of in a daze. And they're doing the most depressing script I could imagine about a journalist, a photojournalist, who's documenting famine in some African country and it all hinges on the fact that she takes a photo of another photojournalist who is watching a man, taking photos of a man starving to death. And the idea is that, you know, the one, the one photojournalist isn't helping the man that he's documenting who, who, is, who is passing away. Um, and she's documenting his lack of caring, but then also she's involved. And it's such a heavy story. And I'm in the back and I'm thinking about my stepmom. And the script is just so brutal about you know like life and all this stuff and I'm like I, I'm getting overwhelmed like I can't stay there and I can't wait for my roommate to be done he's killing the part by the way he's like acting his ass off it's amazing um, but I, I'm just overwhelmed so I leave and um, finally he's done and uh, I just go to the work event in the clothes that I'm wearing I don't even try and get back to my house there's not enough time and I, I sit at this work event where we're trying to recruit people to come to our company and uh, nobody wants to talk to us. They're all working on these uh, hackathon projects and it's basically just sitting by a computer for three hours. And this is the thing that I was like, I need to be here, I need to be ready for this. And then there's basically nothing to do. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it was, an, it was such an insane day. Uh, I ended up getting um, ramen uh, downtown and like it was the best meal I've ever had. It was just like totally refreshing and it was like warm on a cold day. Um, and it's just, it's, ever since it's been tough, my stepmom's still um, working through it. Uh, she's, um, she's still not uh, regained consciousness, uh, but she's, um, they're going to transfer her to a place where um, she can just recover and she's not having to be hooked up to machines anymore, which is 
it's an improvement, but it's like I still haven't had a conversation with her since it happened. So it's kind of I've been back back to South Carolina twice. And anyway, I just think it's it's so funny that we literally were joking about all these things of like what else can happen, ha ha ha, and then life comes in. I don't know. Anyway, I don't have a way to end that, but thank you guys. Boy, it's all everyone. Give it up for him one more time. Hell yeah, that was great. Who knows where life throws us? That's good, that's good, that's good. Um, he's got to go off to his other events. So we say bye, Wyatt. Bye, Wyatt. Everyone say bye, Wyatt. Bye. Yeah, he's awesome, dude. Hell yeah. Um, I think I am going to be your next storyteller. Ha! Believe it or not. It's crazy. That's like when you see a dude in the street and then you go to a restaurant and later he's your waiter. You're like, oh, God, no way. I just... All right, okay. Um... I'm going to share like a similar story of like, it's like hard to think about where life places you in some certain times. Um, this story is about the first, my first time I went to Houston. Um, I did a show up there on a, a Saturday night. I got booked uh, with two other comedians here in town. Let's just call them David and Carol because uh, some things happen and I don't know if they want their names recorded with the things that happened. <laughs> um, we drive up there I, I drive um, and Carol she has to work in the morning so we're going to have to like drive up there do the show and then we have to go back she has we plan that she has work in the morning so we have to do that so we drive up to the show um, get to the show um, it's, it was really fun it was at this Midtown this Midtown Arts Bar up, up top um, it's a really fun little venue and the show the show is great it's a packed show um, people had a great time. Uh, there was like an opener, as in me, then Carol, then David Kill as a headliner. It was a super fun show. It was one of the shows that, like, afterwards, it was great because we all got paid really well. And then there was like a line of people who like wanted to like take photographs and like hang out with us. So it was like the first time I was like, "Hey, man, look at me! I'm telling dick jokes, and people are wanting to meet me because of it." Um, so the show was like a, a blast, a big, a big blast. Um, and then after the show, our friend Justin, he comes up to us and he's like, hey man, um, uh, my girlfriend is having a party, uh, like a house party at the person's house who she's uh, house sitting. Um, it'd be fun if we all kind of went there for like a little bit. And me and Carol and David were like, oh yeah, we have to get back, but we could, you know, get, it's only like maybe 11 o'clock. We could hang out for like a little bit before we like have to go back and get there. Um, so we're cool. So we get the address, and I, I follow him down there, and we're driving. As we're driving, like, we're going, like, it's, like, kind of in the heart of downtown, and, like, the neighborhood where we're driving at, all the houses are, like, super nice. They're, like, really nice, wealthy houses, and the little voice on your Google Maps is, like, address is on the left and 300 feet. And I'm, like, oh, and I pull up, and it's, it's this big... It's like this, it looks like just like a big cube, you know, this modern architecture. It's like this cube house with this other cube, like, it was like one of the most crazy modern, like, architecture things I've ever seen. And when we pull up there and park, my friend Justin is, like, parked by us and is going up. And I'm like, damn, look at this house. He's like, yeah, the, uh, my girlfriend works for the, the contemporary art gallery downtown, and these are these people whose house she's hit. They own the place. They're like the main people of the contemporary art gallery. I'm like, oh shit! So this house is about to be like super bougie. This is about to be like the joint. So we're walking up, and we hear some like loud clamoring noises, like sounds of a party kind of going on in there. Um, and I'm like, when I open the door, I'm like gonna look for like like what looks the coolest. So this like feng shui, feng shui of this house. What's it like? I open the door. And nothing in the house is the first thing. Like the architecture or the art or things up isn't the first thing that I notice. Um, the first thing I notice is every single person at this party, all on the inside. Like, it's like the living room when you first walk in, and then there's like a corridor that's the kitchen that leads out. Every single person in this party is naked. Everyone is naked at this party. And we walk in, all of us, like, fully clothed, 
And like without like slipping a glove, Justin, we look over, Justin's just like immediately like this going. He's like, as if it's like, yep, you take your shoes off when you go inside someone's house and oh, party, yeah, you gotta take your clothes off. So we're like, whoa, and we like, first don't know what to do. So we're just walking around this naked party, like towards the kitchen, like fully clothed. And people are noticing us. They're like, what are these clothed people doing at this party? So much so that we were like looking at each other and it looks fun, man. People are like, people are smoking, drinking. Um, people are doing some lines in the kitchen. Like there's like a whole thing going on and we're like, should we do this? Sure, yep, let's do it. So then we all just get naked and then we hang out at this party. We go out into the back. Um, they have like a huge backyard. It's a really nice pool. So we all start swimming and hanging out and there's this, this blonde girl there who starts talking to me. So I like, I'm like hanging out with her, hanging out with my friends, and then uh, she asks if uh, I want to go like smoke, smoke a joint or something upstairs. I'm like, yeah, sure, like that sounds, that sounds super fun. I'm down to that. And we're, we're getting out of the pool. I noticed like she swims, she was swimming fine, um, but as like we're hobbling, getting out of the pool, I was like, she's getting out kind of weird. And she emerges from the water, and she has one leg. One-legged woman hanging out at the party. Um, so she, like... And shoot, damn, she was, she was able, though, for one leg. She was, like, hop, she was, like, walking fine, like, through the door. I was going to, like, ask an assist for help, but she, she knew what she was doing. And she hobbled up to... Uh, walked up... <laughs> that sounds rude. I don't know how to say walk. I'm sorry. <laughs> She, I follow her to the screen door. She like pulls a little joint out of her bag, and uh, we open up the screen door, and we go like up the stairs. And I go to this bathroom before we go go smoke. And it, everything in this house is awesome. There's like art covering like every single inch of the wall. In the bathroom, there was like this this monkey figure, like a monkey that was taxidermied, but then it was like wrapped in multicolored twine like all around it and had an arm that was like shooting out and it connected it was like the monkey was in the corner and the arm shot out all the way to the wall and it connected and these people like draped just like you're like bathing towels over it i was like if oh god if you're gonna trip acid in any house this acid this house would look like the best house to have like a fun at because every corner you're just like god look at this monkey you're like god look at this couch it's like on the fucking side of the wall how do you even sit on this thing this house was crazy. Um, so I go to the restroom in the monkey place, and I get out, and I go upstairs where she's, she's sitting on the, on the uh, this, like, desk, in this, like, the second story, this, like, looked like some office space. Someone did some important work there, but the important work we did there was just smoke weed. That's what we did. Um, so to before, before we smoked, though, we sat there, and we're talking, and she's, like, looking at me kind of, like, funny, and she was like, uh, she's like, I think you notice it now, don't you? And I was like, I want to say like the, the leg, you mean? Like, like, of course. Like, I mean, like, yo, but it looks like you get around fine. And she's like, oh, not that. I, of course, that. I thought you were, talked about uh, the the face part. And I was like, the face part. What do you mean? And she was like, I have a glass eye. And I was like, wow. She's like, the accident happened, and I have a glass eye now. Would you like to see? Yes. Yes, I would like to see. And she sits there. This is after we finished the joint. I'm naked. Didn't, like, really wash off from the pool we were hanging out at. Neither did she. So we were both, like, wet. Two strangers naked, sitting at this table, her with one leg, me not knowing anything what the hell's going on, and then she pops her eye out, and it's just a socket. It's just, you can see, like, straight back, and, like, puts it in my hand. And the whole thing, I felt like I came out of my body, and I was like maybe like 10 or 12 years old and I thought to myself like man I wonder what I'm gonna do in the future like where am I gonna be what strange things am I gonna happen and I felt like I came to this place where I saw myself naked wet 
sitting next to a stranger, naked, wet, missing a leg with a socket, and then me just like holding her eye. I felt like if anybody, like not knowing what was going on, like opened up that door and like came and looked, it would have felt like they stepped right into like a David Lynch film or something. It was, that's I think what the moral of the story is, is sometimes life kind of just throws you in a David Lynch film and you might not even know you've been casted. All right, that's... And we, we, we smoked the joint, and then we went downstairs and partied, and it was such a fun time. And by this time now, it's like two-ish or three. My friend Carol, she's like passed out, like naked by the pool. And my friend uh, David, he's having such a good time. He did, he did a bunch of coke, so he was all wired and going crazy. And I was like, we have to get back. I had to be the bearer of the bad news. I was like, we have to go back. We, we promise. And he's like, what do you mean we promise? I'm like, we promised her. And I pointed to Carol, and she was asleep on the floor. I was like, we have to get her together. So we woke her up, put her clothes on, and we said goodbye to everybody, put our clothes on, got in the car, and drove back here to Austin. Like, the whole way, my friend David just kept in the shotgun z kept turning to me he's like that was so fun we have to go back we have to go back to the naked party this is the most fun i've ever had joey we have to go back to the naked party and i was like it's like 4 a.m now and we're driving i'm not going to take another hour and come back they'll be gone by then and the house will be up kept and locked and dark and it'll be like the naked party never even happened so maybe it didn't even happen, but it, it happened for a brief moment in my life. And that's the only time I've been to Houston now I experienced a naked party. So I hope next time I go back, I don't know what's going to happen, but I am, <laughs> I'm saddled up for the experience. Uh, that's going to be my share. Thank you guys so much for listening to me. Thank you, thank you. And we have one final storyteller of the night. Are you guys still ready for that, eh? Hell yeah, closing off the night. Um, he, I've had him on uh, like one of the first two episodes we put out. You can hear a previous story he shared about leaving um, a car in Wyoming on the side of the road and all that, the craziness that entails with that. I think it's like on episode two or three. With that, yeah, check it out on bodytapeinternational.com. And uh, also, how much was it to come hang out with us? Free. He has a question. Like, should I supposed to pay for this shit? And he, no, yeah, it's free. There's like a donation bucket out by the end. Uh, if you want to, it helps us keep the podcast up and running, putting it on, on iTunes and whatnot. So throw some donations or whatever you have in there, even if it's a nug of weed. Anything really helps the friends that I have. Um, your final performer, really awesome comedian here in town, hosts at Cap City Comedy Club and runs his own show called Ground Floor that happens at uh, Hotel Vegas downtown. Very talented dude. Everyone give it up for Taylor Dowdy. Give it up for Joey, everybody. How about Joey? Oh, man. So before I get into this, I have to, like, this is a disclaimer, okay? And the reason I have to say that is because when I heard this story, I wish to God the person that told me this said, buckle the fuck up, this is going to be crazy. Because when I heard this story, I literally stood up, put my hands on my hips, and, like, looked at the sky for, like, 30 minutes, and I was like, there's no fucking way. There's just no way. So, if you, li- if you don't like horrific horrific things. I don't know. Stick around. This will be cool. Uh, my brother and I are from a, I don't know, farm, ranch thing in Wyoming, right? And uh, I'm three years older than he is, so when I turned 18, I said, I'm tired of this shit-kicking redneck rodeo stuff, so I moved to Texas. That's what I did. <laughs> and then he said when he turned 18, I am also tired of this redneck shit-kicking stuff. I'm moving to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So... That'll show them. I don't know. I, uh, ever since we were little, we had this thing that we would do with each other where it was like, we would try to one-up each other, right? I don't know, like, do, there's a lot of guys in here, like, how many people in here have brothers? Right? Am I alone that, like, there's this weird dynamic between brothers where it's like, you gotta outgross the other guy, right? Does that happen with anybody else? Yeah. Some guys are like, yeah. But we, we're like, he, he was, I was like Jerry Lewis gross, and he was like Elvis Presley gross. Like we were, we were awesome at being disgusting people, 
But like it was always like within the confines of our own comfortability, right? So he moved to Tulsa, right? And he has this problem where hold on, let's I, I wrote this down. Yeah. Yeah, he uh he moved to Tulsa a few years back, and I, I've been living here for a few years, and he calls me up and he says, Hey, come on over, hang out with me. Uh I want you to meet my new girlfriend. Here's the thing. My brother's a moron. He loves stupid people. Right? Every girl he's had like fifty girlfriends that I've met, and they're all no, I'm not trying to be mean. They're stupid. They're dumb. They, they're like fake tits. Like they just bump into shit all the time. It's stupid. I don't like them. I don't like them. So I went and visited her, and, and we, I got to town, and she looked exactly the way I thought she would. I'm like, oh, fucking. You know what those people like? They say, when I hear somebody say words like um and like and omg, if I'm walking through a mall and I hear somebody say that, I want to burn that fucking building down. I can't take it. It's so bad. So he introduces me to her, right? And he's like, this is whatever her name is. <laughs> Cynthia or whatever. I don't know. Cindy. C- yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. Oh, she was a fucking Cindy. Oh, <laughs> gross. And uh, so my brother has this, like, uh, an old school pickup truck. And we're in the, the front seat. She's in the middle. And we're driving around town. He show, I've been to Tulsa a thousand times, but he feels the need to like, and that's a fence, and this is the building that owns the fence. Like, you know, he's like showing me all the sights of the great city of Tulsa. And she is sitting next to me doing the OMG stuff, and all the while I'm staring out the window looking for a gun. He has guns in the truck, I know it. And I'm like, I'm going to end this. This is going to be the last time I deal with this shit. It's horrible. It's so bad. So... After the tour of the city, we go back to his house. She leaves, and he closes the door behind her, waves out through the window, and I take a sigh of breath. I'm like, oh, fucking thank God. It's out of here. It's done and gone. And he turns to me with this weird seriousness on his face. And he goes, you know that last story you told me that was really bad? And I said, yep, it was a doozy. And he goes, well, I've got one, and I think you should sit down. And I was like, oh, no, my brother's going to come out to me as gay. I love this. He's not going to bring these fucking people around anymore. I love gay dudes. This is awesome. I started high-fiving him immediately, and he was like, what are you high-fiving me for? I'm like, you're gay, right? He's like, no. Now, she was a nurse at the local hospital in Tulsa, right? And I don't know about any of you, but, like, medical stuff, surgery stuff, can't do it, right? So he sits me down sits me down and he breaks down the story that she experienced at one of the hospitals. Here's what happened, right? Every city has homeless people. And every city, I think, has a particular type of homeless person. I think Austin homeless people, like, people, they get mistaken for band members. Like, that's the type of homeless people we have. They in Tulsa have, like, uber-alcoholic, like, like, hobo Joe, kind of like, you know, like the knapsack on a stick. Those guys, like the real ones. Like, these, they're not posers over there. <laughs> and uh, this dude apparently came in. He was complaining about a pain in his side. And she was the nurse taking care of him. And she gets him down on the table. And she says, all right, remove your shirt. And there was like a huge blood stain on the side. So she was like, oh, this is going to be bad. She gets the shirt off, and there's a hole in his side. And she was like, oh, my God, this guy's been shot. This is, this is bad, really bad. So she asks him, like, how – it looked old. I'm not a dog. I don't know what that means. It just didn't look gross enough, I guess. I don't know. It looked old. She was like, how – when did this happen? He goes, ah, a couple hours ago. She was like – doing the math in her head. She's like, this looks like a month old. Like, there's no fucking way. So she asked him, like, what happened? And he's drunk, so blatantly drunk. And he breaks down the story of what happened to him. Apparently, he was under a bridge with his friend. I don't know what his friend's name is. Let's call him Carl, right? And Carl, uh, you know, he, he had a good night, Carl did. He made like $8, and he had a six-pack of beer, right? And he hadn't opened any of it. He was walking around, like, strutting his shit, you know, like, yeah, like, being a dick, really, I think. Like, bragging to his friends, like, yeah. And the dude with the hole in his side is a huge alcoholic. And he said, tell you what, uh, I'll let you do anything you want if you let me have that six-pack of beer. And the guy was like, 
oh, okay. Well, can I have sex with you? And the home, the guy was like, no, I don't want to do that. But I'll tell you what. I'll remove my colostomy bag, and you can have sex with that. Yeah. Yeah. So this homeless dude is sitting in the hospital. I'm, I really don't mean to be graphic, but... My brother told me this, and I, like I said, I stood up and walked away. Uh, there was stuff coming out, and they were, and the doctors and stuff were like, "Oh, this is infected." It wasn't infected, right? So that is alcoholic. Look, I love to drink. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. But ne- I could shit in my own pants, shit in Joey's pants. Shit in Joey's family's pants, and it wouldn't even touch the level of need that this guy had for a fucking. You know, I think it was like Lone Star. It wasn't even good. You know what I mean? I don't. When I, whenever I'm around Austin and stuff, and I we play shows all the time. You know, like uh, we do bars, a lot of bars. We do comedy clubs. Everywhere we go, people are drinking, and I always hear people say, "I love beer, man. I love it." And to this day, every now and again, if I've had a few myself. I'll whip around and I'll be like, do you? Do you love beer? I don't think you know what love of beer means, sir. I think you kind of like beer. Let me ask you something. You sit with your friend right there. Have you ever let him fuck you in a hall that he shouldn't have been fucked in for a sixer? No, you didn't. Did you? Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. I apologize. I had to let people know. I've seen some shit, people. All right. Let's get Joey back up here. Thank you. Taylor Dowdy, one more time. Let him hear it, everybody. That's going to do it for the show. Let it hear it for everyone you saw tonight, huh? Thank you so much. Um, Thank you guys so much for coming. Uh, If you like this episode, for sure, go on iTunes. Type in The Listening Room. Subscribe to it. If you want more crazy, awesome, fun stories to peep into every now and then, um, we'll be back again January, the second Saturday of the month. That little donation tin is out there. Thank you guys so much for being in the space. Have a lovely night. Thank you. Bye-bye. International. <laughs>